0: everybody. Welcome to Outspoken. I am your host, Justin White. This is episode 74. Um, I hope you're all doing well. And if you're not doing well, I hope you have someone near you who can make you feel better. Um, You know how sometimes in life you meet a person and you immediately like them and just feel drawn to them uh, for reasons beyond your understanding. Um, Well, my guest this week is one such person, my dear friend Rachel, who I met when we were both uh, on the threshold of adulthood. And I can speak for myself when I say I wasn't quite ready to cross over that threshold. Um, But anyway, we became close friends in a short time, and then there was a long gap of time where we weren't really in touch. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you'll understand why that is. And I recommend that you do, because I think it's uh, sort of a beautiful story. Um, so yeah, Rachel is one of the sweetest and most authentic people I've ever known. And I feel honored to have her as a friend. And I couldn't be happier to be back in touch With her after all these years. Uh, But before we get to our conversation, um, my daughter and I, every Sunday, we go for an adventure in or around San Francisco. And we just pick a neighborhood and go without any agenda. And we walk around and see what we can see, maybe get a bite to eat. Um, And we just kind of explore. And it's really super fun. So this time we went. Well, we went a bunch of places. We walked through the Tenderloin and Knob Hill and North Beach and went to uh, City Lights Bookstore. We eventually went to Grace Cathedral. But first, we had to pass through the wind, the loud Spanish-speaking phone talker, and through Chinatown. As you speak up, like your elocution teacher taught you,
1: I will try.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: good. That's, that's definitely not not the way, but okay.
0: That's not your strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, welcome. Thank thank you for uh, for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's really a pleasure. We we had the the benefit of a little pre conversation. Working out the technical issues, um, but now I feel like we're so we're so comfortable that I don't know where to begin.
1: I know that was that was a really nice um, little catch up.
0: Yeah, that we had. definitely. So I guess well I can sort of set the scene for people. Um, you and I met. We were just talking about it. we met twenty some years ago, right? Yep.
1: yep.
0: And uh, well, we met in New York.
1: And I actually, I was thinking, I was trying to remember. I mean, I know we met at that at a party in New York. Yeah, I, I think it was actually my birthday.
0: I think it was. I think you're right. Okay. But the party was not for your. Or maybe it was. Was it? <laughs> no.
1: Was it? It, no. It was absolutely not for
0: me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you and I were younger than everybody else there, and we were sort of the out. We weren't outcast, but we were just. We were there by virtue of our siblings,
1: right? right? definitely.
0: They both lived in New York. They were the ones at this party, and we yeah. just were tagging along.
1: Yeah, and I don't even know whose party it was, but um, it, I don't either. it was, it's... I guess, a mutual friend of our siblings.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Who cares? Who? It was, it was really,
1: matter.
0: the party was really <laughs> only so that you and I could meet, I'm pretty sure.
1: Okay. I like they that.
0: Didn't, they didn't know that, but that's what the universe dictated.
1: It shall be known as the party that Justin and Rachel met. That's
0: right. <laughs> um, and, and then, so yeah, and we hung out after that because you were going to Cornell. Yeah. And I came to visit and I had never been before. And it's it was really fun and very cool. I remember we would go to the... Um, we went to the grocery store to get to the bulk food to get the special like pecans that you liked.
1: Oh my gosh. I can't remember. I can't believe you remember the pecans because what I remember is those spice like the gum drops that you liked.
0: Oh that's funny. We remembered each other's each other's like prized uh, bulk food item. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you liked that there was like the sort of candied Pecan mix or something.
1: Oh, man. I haven't thought about those in so long.
0: You're you're probably going to go get some later today.
1: You know? um, yeah.
0: They're oh, so good.
1: Those were delicious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a super fun time. And we were just talking about how it, it's insane that it was that many years ago because it doesn't feel like it's possible.
1: I know. But, uh, I know. That's like 20... Over 20 years ago. Yeah. Not, I don't know if it was 25 years ago, but somewhere between there, 20. Something like that.
0: You were I mean, yeah, we were both youngsters for sure. Yeah,
1: like I think it was maybe my 19th or 20th birthday, something like that. Amazing. So, yeah, it was
0: And I don't Do you remember me telling you when I left there to drive back to Michigan? Do you remember anything about that? Cuz I <laughs> I left Ithaca with like, I think I had like twenty six oh. dollars, and, and like half a bag of Pepperidge Farm cookies, <laughs> and uh, I had to get to Michigan uh, in my little crappy Toyota. It was a total crapshoot whether or not I was going to make it. Really? Yeah, because I did. I mean, it's just barely enough gas to to travel that distance, and I didn't have credit cards. I didn't have a cell phone. Like, I'm going, I'm gonna try. And you made it. Yeah, but it was harrowing. I mean it was it was ridiculous. I went through Canada.
1: I think uh, I remember that. Yeah.
0: There's a certain part of the way that was on dirt road for like dozens of miles. And um I got a flat tire.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. And I still had a whole bunch of stuff in my I had a little Toyota Celica hatchback, but I had it packed full in the back. So when I got a flat, I had to I had to take everything out and put it on the side of the dirt road so that I could get to my spare. And, um, this is like truly in the middle of nowhere. There was this, this giant pasture, um, and no other cars passed the whole time I was there. But when I got out, I looked and there were cows way off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the process of changing the flat, I was pretty focused on that and not really doing much else. And at one point, I just heard this super loud moo right behind me. And I turned around, and all of the cows had come. Over, they'd come over to see what I was doing. They're all standing right along the fence, looking at me, changing, you know, chewing their cud.
1: Uh-huh. And,
0: uh, it was amazing. So I had this like really beautiful experience with these cows in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere. That's really sweet. And, yeah, it was great. So, that, but then I had to drive the rest of the way. I was still in Canada. I Had to get to Michigan. I Had to drive the rest of the way on the little tiny spare that's not even supposed to be a real tire. Oh
1: gosh, now does that and, ruin um, your car. What's that? Does that ruin your car when you drive? On I the- don't
0: know what it does. i I think my car <laughs> had enough problems as it was, but um, it didn't. I made it. But then the next harrowing part was when I got to the, I got to to the crossover into Detroit, mm-hmm. and I. And I actually did not have enough money to <laughs> to pay the, I forgot about the bridge toll and um, I was short. Like I just didn't have enough and I didn't realize it until I got right up to the gate and they wouldn't, the woman wouldn't let me through. She's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. It costs fifty, And I had like 38 cents. And uh, so I got out of the car and started walking to the next cars behind me to see if anybody could loan me. Or not loan me, give me a dollar and some change. And someone did, thankfully. Oh, but I was holding God. up this whole line of cars. And uh so I paid the toll and then I was in Detroit in the middle like four in the morning with no gas and I had to make it back to Ann Arbor. And I think I wound up running out of gas like <laughs> maybe like a mile from my house and had to come get pick- be picked up.
1: No way. That is I'm quite a journey.
0: It was amazing, and I this was like with no, no food. I ate all the cookies.
1: I was but... going to ask about the cookies. Oh yeah, Except those what, are gone. At what point were the cookies? Probably early in the journey. Yeah, early
0: on. I think I I fooled myself into thinking I would ration them, <laughs> but I ate them all in like one, you know, like one after the other, and then I had nothing for the next ten hours. <laughs> um, I just I had a short...
1: I should have given you some more snacks for your trip.
0: Well, I think you gave me those. I think I think you seemed quite worried about me <laughs> making it or not, and you were trying to give me money and trying to give me food. And I I think I was just prideful or stupid or something both. <laughs> uh, so, but I I also like I was saying earlier, I kind of like adventure. I like living on the edge. So um, it was it was fun, but really pretty. Uh, it, it was a it was a very stupid idea, and and yet I survived, and I'm happy to say.
1: Yeah, I'm happy you survived. And, Thank you. Um, it sounds like it was stressful, and you had your share of of adventure and the cow moment. I like the cow yeah. Moment.
0: I got to meet some Canadian cows up close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it's definitely not the most stressful mm-hmm. trip I've taken, but it. But at the time, maybe it was, I don't know. I was into doing stupid stuff like that. Also, I was just broke. So everywhere I went, I was kind of risking not making it, you
1: know? Right. And, and it's nice that the person gave you, gave you the money to get through that little toll.
0: I was very grateful. It was only a dollar and change, but it was, it was a lifesaver. I was kind of amazed that the woman at the toll wasn't willing to budge.
1: I know that, that sounds very stubborn.
0: Totally stubborn. I'm sure she's had a lot of like, you know, deadbeats trying to get through without paying. Right. But it, I was like showing her my empty pockets and my, you know, oh. like my ashtray with coins and like, there's nothing. There's no money in here.
1: Right. Yeah. If you had it, you would have given it to her.
0: Gladly, but she didn't know that. She probably thought I was just a scam artist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A really bad one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so, uh, but let's talk about you. We started right off with me telling
1: a story. Uh, well, I didn't know that story. I, I mean, I, I I knew about some of it, but not the cows, and you know, I didn't know the details. I just knew that you went through Canada, and um, and made it home. So, I'm I'm glad that I now I know that story. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> and uh, you were probably like snoozing in your bed.
1: I know. I was probably like, oh, that was a nice, such a nice visit with my my life as a student. Right. (laughs)
0: Um, So you did go on to graduate from Cornell, right?
1: I did. After after I took some time off, um, I just sort of like, so I don't even know if you know this part, that I just sort of dropped out in the middle.
0: I think I remember you saying
1: that. Okay. So I left for about a year. Um,
0: Was it for any specific reason or you just burnt out?
1: I was burnt out. I didn't know what I was there for, like what I wanted to study. And um, it just, like none of it was making sense. So I just needed to take a step back. And I would have been nice if I had figured that out before the semester started
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um, so I that's when I, I took a trip to Israel and stayed on worked on a kibbutz for a few months.
0: Oh cool how was that?
1: It was awesome yeah it was um, I got to uh, work in the in the orchards picking avocados and Pruning nice. trees and learning Hebrew, and that was a that was sort of that was just a great experience. And then I went back to Cornell and finished. At when I when I got back, that's when I realized I just wanted to take art classes.
0: Uh huh.
1: And then I was happier.
0: And nice. Because before you were taking like academic stuff that you weren't totally
1: yeah yeah I was just taking just a weird assortment of at first it was science classes and yeah just just sort of like a a weird (laughs) I don't know I don't know it was academic it wasn't anything creative
0: right but I remember you you were paint you wanted to paint and you were painting.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah. I, more and more, you know, I, I was a little bit, um, you know, as a freshman and a sophomore. And then, and then when I got back into it, you know, and started taking classes, I, I started painting more. Nice. Yeah.
0: Did something happen in Israel that, that sort of clarified your vision or? Or was it just um, a mat- matter of taking the time?
1: What do you think it was? Um, that's a really good question. I I can't think of anything that I can really put my finger on, like anything that happened. But it was just sort of coming back and saying, like, I'm just going to do what feels right and what makes me happy.
0: And- nice. That's a pretty great uh, life shifter.
1: Yeah.
0: You come to that conclusion?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I'm glad I I figured that out. Yeah. Um,
0: have you you been able to hold on to that life philosophy?
1: Yeah. I, (laughs) I have. I'm, um, I like to, because I know that thing the things that I do that make me happy are the things that, see, this is where I'm just going to start jumbling and not articulating.
0: That's totally okay. <laughs> there's, no, there's no right way to say it. It's, you're talking about your life.
1: It's so hard to put these things into words. Um,
0: yeah. It's a, I mean, uh... it's, a,
1: it's
0: a concept, so it's hard to verbalize. But. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: But, but give it your best shot. There's no, there's no judgment.
1: Okay. I, um, I don't see the point in living, in living my life, you know, for, for things that don't make sense to me or things that, that don't make me happy or don't feel right. You know, I, I want to, um, you know, just live, live the Rachel life. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, as a stay-at-home mom and a painter and
0: that's excellent. It's really great that you've been able to establish a life where you can do that.
1: Yes, I am I am fortunate that it's that I'm in this place where I can do things that feel right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you're, and you'll be modeling that for your kids.
1: Well, that is a nice thought. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it true or is it, am I uh, projecting?
1: Um. I get, yeah, I guess, I guess that does make sense. I am modeling that.
0: Yeah. Whether they get, I get to I see model. you being, you know, happy with your choices instead of, you know, I'm at a miserable job that I can't stand and I come home unhappy and don't get enough time with my, Kid, you know, like right. like a lot of parents
1: experience. Right. Yeah, I think it does make me a happier person. I would uh, think so. Yeah. And, and
0: I, they and they definitely pick up on that.
1: You know. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I know my dad was miserable in his work. I know he was, and he he told me too, but but I knew it before he told me. Um, and he went on for you know my entire childhood being unhappy in his work. He spent almost all of his time working. So what you yeah, know, that adds up to a pretty unhappy existence. And then everybody who's exposed to that person is gonna feel it.
1: Right. What was his work?
0: Well, he was he's was an architect, he was trained as an architect, um, but really what he loves is gardening. And he and he, he loves the design too. He loves he he was really into the design aspect of architecture. But he always wound up becoming the project manager, um, okay. I guess just because he had the knowledge and he you know but he's not a manager type he doesn't he's not good at you know delegating or bossing people around right and and it just meant that he never got to do the fun part, which was the drawing and drafting right you know? so he was just unhappy all the time and he would take jobs that paid the bills, but he would you know he'd have to commute and he'd have to do work he didn't how his heart wasn't in and, um, and it showed, it just really showed. And, and meanwhile, my mom, you know, was self-employed hypnotherapist and kicking ass and totally into it. And that also showed. So I had, I had examples of the, of both extremes and, which was confusing at first, but then it was, it made it really clear to me what I needed to do,
1: right.
0: Which was, in my case, it was just, I need to work for myself because that's, it seems like the only way to be happy. Hmm. And I don't think that's true for everyone, but I think it is for me.
1: Right. That's interesting and it makes me sad. It makes me sad for your dad. I mean, and
0: yeah. Well, he's happy now. He's oh, retired <laughs> and he gardens all the time.
1: Well, that's great. That's
0: yeah. And he actually went, he got his master gardener uh, certification
1: nice that's all
0: his time working on his garden so
1: that's, works, that's funny um I recently went to the master gardener school too oh cool yeah
0: that's awesome did yeah. you are you going through the whole program
1: yeah so is that I I guess it is the same sort of state by state is he's is he in Michigan still
0: no he's in California now
1: okay so I are, think
0: it is the same program but but you learn a whole bunch of different plants. You have to learn all the local varieties, right?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so I went through the year of classes, and okay. I'm still finishing my volunteer hours, and then I'll be a you know technically a master gardener um, affiliated with Rutgers. I guess it's in each state. It's maybe through through a different college.
0: I think that's right. Yeah, I think he did it through like the Santa Rosa.
1: Okay. College. Yeah. Um, that's so
0: cool. Yeah. What, what was the what what was the driving impetus for you?
1: Um, I know you, like paint,
0: you Paint a lot of flowers and plants.
1: Yes, I. Well, being a um, a suburban person now, I have uh-huh. a card. and um, I never thought I would get into gardening. But, what you know, having, having a yard is just a way to spend time outside and be in nature, which in the suburbs of New Jersey, there's not a whole lot of natural feeling stuff going on. But, you know, if you're in the garden, with your hand's in the dark, it, you know, you're in nature. So yeah. that's how I got mean- into it.
0: Don't they call it the garden state?
1: They do. Is it (laughs) a lie? It depends. It depends where you are. (laughs) Okay.
0: So there are parts of New Jersey that are really pretty and green.
1: Absolutely.
0: And then there are parts that are just rows of houses and boring.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I got into it. And then I just, I wanted to learn more because I there's just everything in my garden is just through trial and error and I really don't know what I'm doing but the um so it's just the class has helped a bit and then I think with the volunteer work with the hands-on stuff I'll just learn more and more and it's just really fun
0: that's so cool do your kids do it with you?
1: No, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> well,
0: maybe at some point they will. They're still... I hope so. They're quite young, right? They're still seven or eight?
1: They're 11. They're 11? Yeah. I, mean,
0: I can't even... I mean, people are always surprised when I tell them my daughter's age. And, you know, it's surprising to me too, but, but at least I've been here watching her grow. Right. But it's still dumbfounding when you hear anyone whose kids you haven't met or haven't seen in a long time.
1: I know, it just it goes, it does it, just seem to go so fast.
0: I thought I remembered you telling me there were five or six, like really <laughs> not that long ago. Right. That's weird. That's really weird.
1: It is weird. How old is your daughter now?
0: She's almost 17.
1: Yeah. See, that's crazy. Yeah. I just, crazy. I just remember her as a little nugget. Yeah. A newborn.
0: The blob, Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about uh, what it's like to have twins. Sure. Um, you weren't you weren't aiming for twins, right?
1: No, I wasn't. <laughs> no. Okay. I uh, I was aiming for one. And okay.
0: Well, so first, what's that like to be thinking you're going to have a kid and then suddenly you have two? I
1: I think I was in so much shock that it was like denial, like this isn't really happening.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then, but then when my stomach started getting really so big that there was obviously more than one baby in there, it became more real.
0: Yeah. You had to admit it. then.
1: <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> Come on. Like, right there you, in front of my eyes.
0: <laughs> right. When you were looking at the ultrasound, you're like, no.
1: Yeah. Like- I was just like, yeah, like just something wasn't that real about it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, then it became more real, and then, uh, but for the longest time, I didn't. In, I didn't tell people that I was having twins because. Oh really? I
0: how, how come?
1: I, I think part of it was the denial, and part of it was. I was a little—I don't know if superstitious is the right word—but um, I just didn't want to um, say it before they were born, and I knew that everything was going to be okay.
0: That makes sense. I think that's
1: a normal thing. Okay, so we <laughs> lived. <laughs> so we lived in Manhattan at the time in a um, on the Upper East Side and our building had a doorman and, um, I just remember coming back from the hospital and he knew I was pregnant, but I never told him I'm talking about the doorman. I never told him it was going to be twins. And we just came out of the taxi with our two babies. I
0: would love to have seen his reaction.
1: It was so interesting. It was just, it was, I think he was just sort of trying to be professional about it. And right. just sort of help us carry everything in. That's
0: um, amazing. And meanwhile he's thinking like, what a liar, <laughs> yeah. why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I thought we were close. Yeah,
1: like, uh, yeah, we were talking about like the one baby in her belly. And then right. two, like what kind of <laughs> person is this? <laughs> right,
0: what a monster. <laughs> did you uh, did you have any feelings like that like after like did you feel like oh now i have to go back and
1: yes i always i always feel a little bit monstrous when i don't tell you know the absolute 100 percent truth yeah i don't know why
0: well i think because you're you're such a sincere person and it, it probably feels weird to be concealing anything
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: But also, it's absolutely your right as a mother to to say or not say anything you want
1: about your kids. This is true.
0: So uh, I hope you didn't have a ton of guilt around it or any any residual guilt still. Thank you. 11 years later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I might. I might. Thinking about that, you know, how I'm still thinking about the doorman.
0: Yeah, well,
1: what he thought.
0: <laughs> well, I encourage you to let yourself off the hook.
1: Thank you. Because um, yeah. he was a nice person.
0: I'm sure he's been betrayed in <laughs> worse ways. <laughs> At some point in his life. I'm sure that wasn't the the biggest shock or the biggest.
1: I'm uh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's not thinking about this still.
0: But, well, maybe he's probably like in his weird basement apartment. Yeah. Like, oh. God damn it! That woman. <laughs> What was? Why? What else was she hiding? <laughs> what is everyone hiding? Right. So everyone lies to me.
1: What are they all hiding from me? Right. Why are they hiding
0: it? Yeah. What am I? Just the just a robot for them? Just open the door and that's it. <laughs> uh, oh, well, okay. So then, so oh. then, once you had two babies. Oh yeah. <laughs> Was it just madness? I mean, I can't. It
1: was, and the doctor, the in the hospital after I gave birth, and the obstetrician came and to my bedside, and he also was the father of twins who were older, and he said, "Um, "You know, I'm going to tell you." With twins, it's going to be like a war. It's going to be like a war the first few months. You're just going to be in like survival mode, and wow. and then his other little tidbit was that uh, throughout their lives, when you hug one of them, you have to hug the other one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good little tip. I think that's a. That's, it
1: is because I've learned the hard way when I, you know, have forgotten that that tip. But, um even though I obviously have so, I it's obvious to me that I love them both so much that there's more than enough love for both of them. They, right. um, there's some something, some kind of insecurity. Um, I think on um, their part that there that
0: is a uh, competition. I think that's true with all siblings. I think it's just a it's just built into the model. It's like, well, what about me? You
1: know, right.
0: Every time one of them gets accolades, the other feels like they also should or, they, or something, you know, right.
1: Like
0: ice cream. Why? Right? Where's my hers is bigger,
1: right? So, okay. <laughs> so maybe that's just a sibling thing and not a twin thing.
0: Well, it's probably magnified with twins because they're at exactly the same developmental stage. Uh, well, I'm sure there's some differences, but it but they're kind of in the same park at the same time all the time, right so, so it seems like it should be and and also, I think only twins really know what it feels like to be a twin. you know yeah. they they have some weird bond with each other, yeah. that none of us can really understand,
1: yeah, totally.
0: So they might feel it internally, like on a cellular level, like something's off here. Somebody's, you know, the, the reward center is registering on one side, but not the other. Mm-hmm. So, but then, of course, when it comes to like, well, I don't, I'm not saying that you do this, but anybody who has to discipline their, their children, I wonder what it's like when they're like one person's getting punished and the other isn't. they're not like standing up then and saying, Hey, what about me? Punish me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or maybe they are like, maybe there is some weird internal switch that's saying like,
1: yeah, I think that, I think that they are just always aware of the other. Um, Some, whatever the balance is that's going on, there's, I think they're just aware of it. Like, on a deep level yeah. that maybe just as a a person who doesn't have a twin, you know, I don't, we don't have that, like this other person that we're just so like tuned into all the time.
0: Right. Did you, when you were thinking about it or starting to raise them, were you, were you trying to do any kind of research to see what, like what, how do you raise twins or were there books about
1: there were books and my husband was a much better book reader about this stuff than me. Like, um, he has an office job and, but me being the stay at home parent, it was like I was living it and I didn't feel like reading about it too.
0: I totally (laughs) understand
1: getting enough of this material. Like if I'm going to read, I want, to read fiction or something,
0: right? I felt the same way, staying home with my with my girl. Yeah, I was like nobody, nothing in this book is going to teach me any better than what you know me learning in real time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's every situation is unique. Yeah, um, although I know there are good books out there, um, and. I, I skimmed one about I think it's called emotionally intelligent twins or something something like that. Uh, uh-huh. And it was pretty kind of obvious stuff that, if you think about it, just seems like the right thing to do, like treat just treating each child as an individual. right you know, and I guess there are people that dress their twins the same or. No. Know, think they should always be together or right uh, you know but that never made sense to me i mean being a boy and a girl it's a little it's uh i guess you're less inclined to dress them the same <laughs>
0: yeah one would hope
1: <laughs> um so put
0: on, put on the pink bonnet <laughs> both of you <laughs> Um, yeah well, the other thing to consider is that prior to our generation, there were no books on kids period That's like there was- such
1: a weird I can't believe it it's so weird
0: yeah for for a hundred thousand plus years, you know parents were raising kids without books.
1: they somehow figured it out
0: yeah, probably better than, than those who consulted outside their family group you know. Mm. They just had it. It was all passed down generationally. It's just like, here's what you do. Just watch. Just watch us. We're doing it.
1: Right. Everybody knows
0: because everybody sees how it's done. But we, we have, like, our, our society now is super isolated, and so we have to get our information,
1: you know, right.
0: externally and then try to integrate it.
1: Right. That makes sense. And from And from the experts...
0: Right, the so-called experts often so-called experts. I, would, I would imagine who don't have kids of their own, like they just actually studied they studied child behavior
1: but they right. don't actually, I
0: think aren't parents. So it's it's yeah,
1: weird. It's
0: weird. It's it's, weird weird, that,
1: it's, it's it, we're living in a very interesting time. For sure,
0: to say the least.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's not
0: How how, did, how is it for you being in this current state of, you know, sort of messiness in the world when you have kids?
1: It's, um, I tune a lot out for my sanity, I, um, which I, so I'm probably, you know, ignorant of a lot of stuff that's going on. I just know enough to know that things are bad out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good situation in a lot of ways. And um, I sort of just kind of try to educate myself enough so that, you know, I can make choices that are... The right choices for me like you know who am I gonna vote for like that kind of stuff um things that I can take action on things that I can't really take action on I I don't feel like I need to learn about in depth for me. I don't yes. think it's helpful for me. That makes sense. Um so with my kids they're eleven and Since I don't put the news on in the house, they sort of just hear what's going on um, either if people are talking about it at school or if we're listening to the radio in the car, um, things like that. And then I'll just talk to them just on a situation by situation basis about these things. Do they ask you
0: questions? like if they've learned something at school, do they come home and say, "What's this about?"
1: Yeah, um, they they will. and it's really oftentimes I just don't know the answer. Yeah um,
0: And then what do you do?
1: I'm just you like, know? oh, that's such a great question. <laughs> Maybe we can look it up together.
0: <laughs> well, that's cool. Do you look it up then?
1: Or, I, or- I'll try to if I don't get distracted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you had to do it with anything difficult? Has there been talk of like difficult issues that you have to figure out how to approach? No. Rotate?
1: No. I've been, I've been like lucky like that, but I don't know if. My kids don't really tell me a lot about what's going on in their minds. Yeah. So it could be that they are thinking about something and just not sharing it with me.
0: Is that frustrating for you? Because my girl is the same way and it's, yes. it drives me nuts.
1: It's so frustrating. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to, you know, no matter what, I'm just like the mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, um, being a, a teenager it's just I just you know even if I had like the coolest parents I probably wouldn't want to share anything with them because they're just like parents right. I was just doing my own thing and was just more into my peers um,
0: I guess that's just developmentally how it is because I don't I don't know too many I don't know it's so weird to have to remember it be I remember being that age, and I remember i mean I opened up to my mom about some things
1: did you
0: most yeah, but mostly I mean I knew I could trust her that was that was one thing that you know I, over time i I learned that I could trust her to
1: well for as much as she was able to
0: to understand where I was coming from and to um, respect my boundaries and stuff but I also was always concerned about her. I didn't want to tell her things that would freak her out. Mm. As a teenager, there was a lot that would have freaked her out. Right. Um, and then on the other side, my dad's side, and I just wouldn't talk about anything. Like, I was like, but I, but it's because I didn't think he had any input for me, mm. and because my stepmom was not kind to me, so I didn't want, I didn't want her weighing in on anything.
1: Right. But was he? was your dad interested like would he ask you questions nope wow <laughs> oh.
0: he was not really present much
1: oh. he was, I mean he was physically present but
0: he was emotionally checked out pretty much the whole time gotcha so i just felt like there was no point
1: right yeah, yeah. yeah. you're like i don't this person doesn't care what i have to say so why should i yeah. talk to them but
0: but but what's strange is now being a parent and being definitely genuinely interested and in expressing that interest i'm getting the same Response. where yeah. she just won't open up about her inner thoughts.
1: It is frustrating. It's. Um, I love my kids, and I want to know everything that's going on with them, and connect with them. And
0: it might just be something that comes later.
1: It might yeah. be, and yeah. and I like to think that if there if there was some big issue, that it would come out, and they they would come to me.
0: Yeah. And it might also just be a personality thing. Like some kids do that and others don't.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. But that's yeah, it's pretty it's it's a little bit uh exasperating for me because I'm as you said a, a good talker and I Yeah. And I like to reason things out and I like to hear people's take on things. You know, I want to know. Right. Like you said, I want to know everything she's thinking. And yeah. I not not that it's my right to just that i want her to, to to want to share it right and but she might just not be that type of person and so i have to accept that
1: um, or or maybe it is a, just a phase of, yeah like, uh, the developmental thing like you said and
0: well, that's what i've been hoping but i've been hoping it for a long time <laughs> yeah. and i don't know i mean maybe when she's an adult like really truly an adult right Talking to me more about that kind of stuff. Yeah, but but I, I have so. to.
1: I think that's going to happen for us, for me, okay, and my good. kids, and you and your daughter. All
0: right, thank you. That's well, going to happen. We'll, we'll keep keep each other posted and see if it actually does.
1: Okay.
0: I have. I'm sort of preparing myself for the fact that it might. The notion that it might not. Really. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not trying to predict it or say. I just need to be emotionally prepared to, um, if it doesn't happen, I need to know that that's okay. And I, I can still go on loving her as much as I do. And I can, you know, share my, what's on my mind. And if she wants to someday reciprocate it, she will. And if not, I'll just have to be okay with it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be okay with it though.
1: Right. um, Yeah. Because you, you want, um, a level of of um, i guess intimacy is like a weird word when you're talking about parent and the child but a closeness but that's what it is yeah like a level of closeness and
0: yeah an exchange
1: yeah
0: yeah that's what it is and uh, it's weird to desire it so much and not get it right um, and not for any real reason i mean it's not it's not like you know, I mean, we are close. We are we have a really nice bond, but um, it's just not, there's not a ton of, it, it's a very one way street when it comes to verbalizing, <laughs> uh, which may be, you know, that might be part of it. Maybe I talk so much that she's like, there's no room left for my thoughts, you know?
1: Um, but I, I, she's probably getting a lot out of listening to you. As a as a fellow listener, which I am a listener, um, I definitely listen to people more than I talk, and I appreciate people who um, who do a lot of talking. That's good, uh, but not you know not just talking about like random crap, but like right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I hope I I don't do too much of that, just, like blabbing for no reason.
1: Right. Um, but
0: isn't it weird though that you can have, like, I think I just always assumed that your family, well, I don't know why I would assume this because it wasn't even true in my own immediate family, but I guess the hope is that you're going to really jive with the people in your family. You're going to be friends and also, you know, support each other and be close forever, but right. Are tons of examples where that's just not the case, and there are even examples where people don't like each other, like in their immediate family, they don't even like,
1: right? Yeah, that's always interesting, too.
0: It's so bizarre,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, I, f- I guess I should feel more lucky that to have you know, like with my brother, we're super close and we always have been. And, um, in fact, people it wasn't until fairly recently having a number of people say, you guys are so lucky you got, you know mm-hmm. you get along so well. Mm-hmm. And then I come to learn that all these adult friends that I have I either don't like, or don't even speak to their siblings. And
1: right.
0: It's just bizarre to me.
1: It's true. It's, um, you guys are fortunate to be close. And I always, um, remind myself of that, that cause I have three older sisters that, uh, I'm just happy that we're all still relatively close and we all love each other and we make it a point to try to um, for every so often we'll take like a little weekend away, the four of us.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: And sometimes with my mom, yeah, usually with my mom, like if one of us is having a big birthday like if someone's turning 50, we'll be like, just take a weekend or a night away and um, just to reconnect. That's great. Always during those times, just so grateful that we can do that. And we're all still in each other's lives. And there's really nothing, there's nothing like a sibling. I mean, there are close friends and best friends and other close relationships, but a sibling that has known you um, from the beginning is it's special
0: it's true yeah i yeah I, I i feel for the people who have siblings but don't have that closeness
1: yeah
0: and i always wonder like what is it what happened yeah is it just what a personality happened? difference or is it was there some lack of nurturing balance or something like we were talking about like maybe one kid resents the other because the parents give too much attention or not enough
1: right yeah, maybe something like that or like a really devastating blowout
0: right. But then also I think sometimes it's more subtle than that. it's just a it just happened like it's just like well, we're different. We don't really get each other
1: right and now he lives you know over there and I live over here.
0: Yeah I can, I connection. can see I can see how it might happen, but it still seems odd it's, it, but it you know it just makes you think what else, like biologically, is there something going on where it's just we're just different people and we don't like if we met as non siblings, we wouldn't like each other and we wouldn't, you know, we mm-hmm. would not be in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And I guess that happens between parents and kids too, which is even weirder. That's even harder to imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really like my kid.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, he's okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I raised him and now he can go live his life and I'll live my life.
0: Go go jump in a lake. (laughs) Well, here here's something that occurred to me and you can tell me whether or not you're willing to to go to this place okay but i was thinking about and this is why i asked if your husband would listen um i was thinking about the amends that I made to you oh and and how it i feel like it you were so gracious in accepting it and it was it allowed us to be become friends again
1: yeah after
0: like a long part where, you know, a long, long chunk of time where I didn't know how you felt about me, or I sort of assumed you were, you didn't like me, you know, based on my behaviors.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting that you, wait, did you really assume I didn't like you? Because no, it
0: wasn't,
1: I was probably just, I don't know what it was, but your, your amends, um, I think came at a time where I was ready to, to hear it. Um, and it was so, it was so nice when somebody calls you and is sincere and, um, like, how can you not? accept that um, and just feel so um, it was just so nice and to hear um, And yeah, I think it did it did bring us back to to being friends. Um.
0: Well, it's I mean when you're in, in making an amends, uh, you're always hoping that the person, is going to react well and, and we'll hear it and, and feel that it is sincere, but you're also taught to not have any expectations about it and to, you know, to even expect maybe that it will go badly and you will not be forgiven or you'll, you know, you not be, uh, be able to find the peace that you hope to with it. Right. So, um, so I was really relieved when you, you know, when you responded the way that you did. But I also felt guilty for having waited so long. Really? But yeah. Because it, I mean, it was on my mind for a very long time. And I don't know what, well, it took me, you know, getting into recovery to even start to look at some of my past behaviors and and acknowledge that they were wrong. You know? Um And I, but I've always hated hurting people. Hate it! I can't stand the feeling of making somebody feel bad, mm. and um, so that feeling was with me. You know, whenever I thought about you, I just thought like I fucked that up. I did something. Bad. I mean, I guess I should say for the listeners what it was, if it's okay. Yeah. With you. Sure. So, um so as we sort of alluded to, you and I had a, had a, a an intimacy in the beginning that. Um, When we first met, kind of dug each other and um, hung out briefly, but in a close way. Right. And then uh, some time passed, and I, you know, we hadn't seen each other, but we were still sort of in in touch. Right. But I had started to date someone, and you made plans to come and visit me. Yeah. And I did, and I did not tell you that I was dating someone
1: right
0: which looking back just seems totally idiotic and you know like I don't know what I was thinking if I if there was some if I thought I could somehow hide it from you or that you know because I also wasn't I didn't want to cheat I wasn't interested in any sort of infidelity but I think I was like I don't even know. I mean, I remember at the time thinking, this is weird. This is weird that I'm not being honest about what's going, on. you know? Right. I think right. I think it's because I really wanted to see you and I and I knew that if I told you I was seeing someone that you wouldn't come. Right. Right. And uh but that's just dumb. Like that's a childish way to to approach it. And so you know, you wound up coming across the country expecting to see me and hang out with me and i ended up being pretty much unavailable and i you know and i broke the news to you upon arrival so then you're just like stuck in my city with nowhere to be
1: and you, you I, know so what a, you didn't you didn't tell me you didn't tell me until after i got back home you just
0: oh i didn't even tell you while you were here no oh, jesus christ <laughs> well i don't so what what did i say at the time
1: like, you did were, i even like, You know we'd be like hanging out and then but you were still like maybe working or seeing this other person and so i'd be you know doing stuff on my own
0: um i remember my other my friend ben was like kind of stood in as as yeah i think i hung
1: out with ben once or twice yeah um but so so where did you
0: stay? Did you have a place to stay?
1: I was with yeah. I stayed with you. Like you, you somehow figured out like where to put me up. I, no, I I was with you, but you would just sort of be like absent during the day sometimes.
0: Or well, like, I definitely was working. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I I mean I feel even more terrible now that I didn't even tell you once you were there. I think I was just ashamed. Like I, I think I felt, I knew I had made a mistake and it was too late to correct it. And, and so I was trying to just be, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that I, had, like I thought that was,
1: okay. but you know, the crazy part is that I, you know, I just felt, and I still am sort of like, I can't believe I flew out there to like, you know, hang out with this guy that, um, you know, we just hung out for this short time and I'm like flying across the country to see him. Like, why am I doing that? I, like, it just makes me like, I feel like I have, um, like I doubt myself for, for doing for, for a sort of, um, I don't know it just it just seems like like a bold move to fly across the country to hang out with some guy that you don't know that well
0: yeah well i thought i mean it would make sense if we if if the pretense was was honest like if you know like if we, i would have done that to go see you if, if we if that had been if the if the roles were reversed it would it's the sort of thing that even if it's bold, it makes sense to me. Like, yeah, we really, we really hit it off. We had a great time. Let's go hang out some more. Right. But, but I was such a shithead for not telling you, because that, because it just made. I mean, I can only imagine how you must have just felt duped, like I, like it was just like a mean trick, which it wasn't. That was not the intention at all. But, it, but it must have just been.
1: I just, earned. I felt. um, Hurt and I felt dumb. Yeah, like duped, I guess. Like just, yeah, I just kind of felt hurt and dumb. And um, since I did have feelings for you, I felt, well, I guess that's hurt. Um,
0: Did it, um, did it, can I ask if it made you dislike me enough to get over it? Like, were you able to? (laughs) let go of the feeling hurt because you're like what an asshole
1: Um, no see I didn't have like for some reason I didn't have anger about it Um, I just kind of felt like sad and um, I don't really know what happened I think I was just kind of like oh well that sucks And then, um, and then all those years passed and I don't know, like maybe we hung out in Brooklyn a little bit or, you know, I saw you like a few more times, um, and just sort of, but it was all just kind of like under the rug or I didn't think about it. Um, but I was just always had this kind of like icky feeling like, uh, you know, Justin, I really like him. He's really cool. But like um but you know this thing happened and I just feel like really shitty about it. Uh, yeah. Um so well, and then when you called and like made amends and apologized it just kind of magically like made me feel like so much better and now <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it was genuine, like you really meant it, and um, it's like a human thing, like you wanted to see me, and it's not like you were trying to like um, dupe me and trick me, and you know, you just, you just, whatever.
0: Yeah, were genuinely... We were young, and you
1: just did something that didn't seem you know it didn't seem like crazy to you you just said come on out you know you wanted to see me and then like that's not that that's not that weird like that i could see how that would have made sense in your mind at the time
0: well thank you for saying so i i still it's hard for me to make sense of it even now just i mean i know i did some dumb stuff when i was young and i think there was some part of me that thought, um, well, I really, I mean, I genuinely liked you a lot. And I was, I think, even feeling regret that I was in the relationship that I was in because I wanted to be, you know, more, I was would have been interested in being with you more and being, you know, having that, at least be free to explore what, you know, what we had together. Yeah. Um, so I think in my mind, I just sort of, held both, both things. And I was like, well, I, you know, maybe we can still, maybe it'll work somehow. And I don't know how I could, could think that there's no real logic there, but it was just like an emotional uh, thing that I, that I was following, Yeah. And, um, but it did, but it felt weird. It felt weird to do it. And then it felt really bad to not um, come clean about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was so I'm, I'm grateful to you now, and I was at the time for being so gracious about it and just being understanding. Because I I don't know that I would have been, you know, if it had been the other way around, I might have held a grudge that whole time and might have, you know, thought something about, you know, there's something wrong with this person or I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I'm it's a testament to how kind and true you are just to be you know to just even the fact that you weren't angry you were just sort of bummed about it um says a lot about your character
1: well, wow thank angry. you and i think um you know i think it's i think it says a lot about your character that you actually called and apologized for this um this thing that, I wish I'd done I
0: wish I'd done it a decade earlier uh, at least
1: I feel like you had tried to you had tried to call me a couple times and like I maybe just when um, maybe it wasn't to make amends maybe it was just to kind of check in and I just wasn't maybe I wasn't answering the phone because I was whatever my babies were little or something.
0: Yeah, I feel like there were a few sort of attempts on my part to, I mean, I definitely wanted to reconnect with you. And I don't know, I can't remember in those instances, if I was prepared then to make amends, or if I'd even learned what that was, or how, you know, how to do it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I've always had a deep, you know, I just really care about you. And I've always felt that way. and And I never, I hated myself for putting that at risk, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm really it's a powerful thing to be able to you know admit your mistakes and then have the other person acknowledge your you know that you didn't really mean to do harm. And uh but but you have to admit that harm was. I admit that I did harm and I didn't want to. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's a really cool thing.
1: It is. It is. I think it's cool. I think it's, um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that you called and, uh, we talked it through and now we're here like on the other side of it. Just, just uh, friends.
0: It feels clean, right? It feels like it's, That's in the past, right?
1: Totally, yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome. I'm very happy to be reconnected with you.
0: Me too. Me too. And I, I, it's really, yeah. I'm. It's a, it's a good advertisement for making amends. (laughs) Actually, it doesn't always work, but when it does, it's beautiful. It's like a really feel good in my heart. Yeah, for
1: both people, it's. Yeah. Um yeah. It
0: is Well, maybe this is a good place to to leave it and, uh, for for now. Yeah. A, yeah. Hard- we'll
1: note. have to we'll have to be in touch another
0: time soon. For sure. I love talking to you.
1: Same here.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for for taking the time and for being honest and open and uh yeah. I have a lot of love for you.
1: Me too. I will
0: uh, will be in touch. All
1: right. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, Rachel. Talk to you soon.
1: Okay, bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Truly appreciate you. Um, I remember just a few episodes back, I said I was going to start uh, giving gratitude at the end of each episode. And then I quickly stopped doing that after, oh, I think one episode. <laughs> but uh, I am I would like to return to that habit at least some of the time. So um, I'm going to do it now. Uh, Three things I'm grateful for, Uh, and they're all kind of related to this current episode. Um, One is people who forgive and thereby model and teach forgiveness, because I think it's super important, and it's also something I've never been all that great at. So I'm grateful for people who can show us the way. Uh, people like me. And I'm also grateful that I'm able to admit when I'm wrong, which is something I didn't used to be good at, but now I am. And uh, it's way better. It's so much better to just acknowledge what you've done, be accountable, good and bad. Um, I had to learn that uh, and it took a long time, but I'm very happy to have the integrity to stick by that um policy these days and lastly i'm grateful for my daughter i love her more than anything on earth and that is um it's something i don't even have to think about or remember it's just always there and i'm grateful for that too it's just an ongoing feeling uh pure love nothing like it So uh, thanks again for listening. I love you guys. I appreciate you being here. I will be back next week. You can count on it. And um, yeah, be good to each other. Maybe uh, reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, Connect with a family member or a friend. Maybe mend some fences if such things are needed. All right. All right. Talk to you soon.